going to start today with a reality check. Uh, just with a statement, we are all limited. We are all limited. The World Health Organization recently did a study on the effects of overwork on the world's population and found that hundreds of thousands of people, well over 700,000 people a year, die, die, due to overwork. Uh, this global study, which WHO uh, called the first of its kind, found that 488 million people were exposed to the risk of working long hours, and 745,000 people died as a result.
someone as a priest? Would he find anyone in human existence that he could appoint who had enough time, location, strength, ability to undergo those two things? He would not. And so he would have to come to the earth itself in the incarnation. The incarnation is God's enfleshing himself. He would have to come as Messiah Jesus and uphold these two roles because we are all limited in this way. Last week we saw how we are limited and we need a perfect king. We need a perfect king as ruler. This week we're going to look at verse 4 through 7 and really only verse 4. We're going to have time for verse 4. I'm going to just kind of show you what verse 5, 6, and 7 says. But as far as turning over the rocks and looking at the leaves, um, examining closely, we're only going to look at verse 4. And that shows that, that we need a perfect priest, and not only is Messiah a perfect king, verses 1 through 3, where he says, sit at my right hand until I make your enemies a footstool for your feet. Right? And so there's a strong scepter from Zion that David is talking about. And it's just an amazing passage. David is listening to God the Father and God the Son talk. <coughs> Imagine, Father and Son and Spirit communicate eternal past and eternal future. This blows our mind. But that's what's going on. David's able to listen to that. And they plan something. They plan that Jesus would rule until the enemies were placed under his feet. But then he goes from this, what we would say, an oracle. It's actually set up as an oracle, like a divine statement in the oracle, we call that, to an oath. With the priesthood, there's this oath given. The Lord has sworn and will not change his mind. So now, verse 4, we get to the oath about Jesus himself being the perfect priest. So we need a perfect ruler as king and a perfect priest as representative. And I know that this understanding of Jesus' appointment as a perfect priest will encourage you today. Alright, so we're pointing to Messiah as our perfect priest and Let's get into this verse 4. The appointment of a perfect priest and our application is trusting an everlasting priest. Trusting an everlasting priest. Look at verse 4. The Lord has sworn and will not change his mind. You are a priest forever according to the order of Melchizedek. Okay. I don't know. What, what hits you? There is so much in there. Like, this is a miraculous verse. I can't overstate that. It's phenomenal what is going on in this verse. It is bringing the gospel, the New Testament, into David's pen. It's amazing. Okay, so let's unpack it. Um, first of all, this appointment, verse 4, and then he really gives kind of how that's fleshed out in verses 5 through 7, but I really want to focus again on our time on the Let's look at the people involved. The people involved, first of all, and then the positions involved, or the actual position of priests. Okay? So the people involved in this. Who gives and who receives the appointment? Verse 4, who is the giver of the appointment to priests? And who is the receiver of the appointment of priests? Okay? Let's look at, first of all, who is the giver? Well, who is the giver then? 
Who is the giver? We'll find out his identity is the Lord himself. The Lord is the giver. We talked about this last Sunday, so I'm not going to go into too much detail, but we find here again this capital L-O-R-D is, is Yahweh, right? This is actually in the Hebrew text the, the name that God gave for himself. Often you find L-O-R-D with a capital L and lowercase O-R-D. That's our term in Hebrew, Adonai, which actually is translated Lord or Master. But this one is, is Yahweh himself. Yahweh, Jehovah God, Abraham, Isaac, God, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, the one who revealed himself in the burning bush to Moses, the one who brought Israel out of Egypt, the one who chose David as king, But this is the authority of God. 
Let's move on to the appointment itself, the position. I'm sorry, from the giver. Who is given it? Let's need to pause for this for a second. Uh, the Lord has sworn and will not change his mind. Who is given the appointment or position? Who is the you here? The Lord has sworn and will not change his mind. You are a priest forever according to the order of Melchizedek. We're kind of left to guess. There's no immediate reference to that. And so some might say, well, that's David. Some might say, well, that's another priest that, that was a priest in that time well, we've already mentioned in verse 1 that Yahweh is talking to Messiah. So I would automatically start to lean that way, that this Messiah is David. But we know it's not David, because David himself could never be a priest. And if you're taking notes, you might want to put this in the margin of your Bible, right? God separated those two offices to where the king was never the priest. In fact, David's predecessor, who was David's predecessor as king? Saul. What was the, the thing that got him kicked out as king? Pride, because he offered up a sacrifice as a priest. Right? He's waiting and waiting for Samuel to come, waiting for Samuel to come, and Saul said, oh man, people are leaving, and, and we got an army in front of us, and we need to make an offering, and Samuel's late. So Saul said, bring me the burnt offering and peace offerings, and he offered the burnt offering. As soon as he finished the offering, Samuel comes. And Samuel says, What have you done? So I said, Because I saw the people were scattering from me. You were here, so I had to make the sacrifice. And Samuel said, You have acted foolishly, you have not kept the commandment of the Lord your God. And so he removes the kingdom of himself. So David would not attempt to be priest. Uzziah tried the same thing. Uzziah was a very good king, and the Lord blessed the kingdom so it was prospered. But when he became strong, his heart was so proud that he acted corruptly and was unfaithful to the Lord his God. He entered the temple of the Lord to burn incense on the altar. So here you find another king trying to be priest, and God strikes him and loves Removes the office from him. Okay, so we know this is not David. There must be a different order where it is possible for someone to be king and priest. And, and honestly, the Old Testament just leaves it there. There's no added revelation that would make us find out who this would be, except maybe an appeal to verse 1 to David's Lord. This Messiah king who would come who would also be able to be priest. Well, how is that possible? David's greater son, Jesus the Messiah. This is what Hebrews tells us. Because this is a priest who is on the order of Melchizedek. Alright, so, so Jesus is given this position, and we're finding actually the position itself is that you are a, a priest forever according to the order of Melchizedek. So Yahweh is, is swearing something to God the Son, to Jesus. He will not change his mind. Now, as we uncover this and unpack the actual promise, we'll find out how clearly it is Jesus. Okay, so let's walk through this. What is the nature of the priestly order? Okay, so we find the people involved, Yahweh, and, and I'm saying Messiah, who we find is Jesus. But what is the nature of this priestly order? Well, this is it. You are a priest forever, 
things about this. First of all, it's priestly. It is the, the office of a priest. God's swearing an oath to Messiah is that he would be a priest. We don't do a whole lot with priests today. Uh, unless you're following the wrong religious system. Um, because Jesus is our priest. But most religious systems try to enact this idea of someone else's go-to. Because we all sense a need for someone else to stand between me and God. A priest was someone who represented the people before God. And so the priest had a breastplate which represented the 12 tribes of Israel. And that priest, after offering for his own sin, would come into the holy place before God bearing the tribes of Israel on his part. So he is the go-between. This priest is supposed to be a go-between. Right, so this is our word, Kohen. I remember working with a Jewish man for so many years, and, and he was so proud about the fact that he was from, uh, he was from the Kohen, from the priestly line, um, which was sad because he would not receive the gospel because he's relying on just that by birth. The idea of a priesthood, <coughs> the idea of a priesthood was developed by God to teach us that we need someone to represent us to God. God is too full. There's no way to go to Him on my own. And so all the way from the beginning, with Cain and Abel, Adam and Eve, as soon as they fall, they are removed. And recognize I need sacrifice. I need something to come to allow me to be free for God. <clears throat> I love how Tozer puts this. It's a fairly lengthy quote, but I think it would be helpful. Um, let me read this to you. Listen to what he shares. Because sometimes we don't sense the need for God in this way. He says, all the problems of heaven and earth, though they were to confront us together all at once, would be nothing compared with the overwhelming problem of God. That He is. What He is like. And what we as moral beings must do about Him. The man who comes to write believe about God is relieved of 10,000 temporal problems. For he sees at once that these have to do with matters which at the most cannot concern him for very long. But even if the multiple burdens of time may be lifted from him, the one mighty single burden of eternity, the millions of years, begins to press down upon him with a weight more crushing than all the woes of the world upon, upon one another. The mighty burden is his obligation to God. Listen to this. It includes an instant and lifelong duty to love God with every power of mind and soul. Can you say you've done that? To obey Him perfectly and to worship Him acceptably. The man's laboring conscience tells him that he has done none of these things, but has from childhood been guilty of foul revolt against the majesty of heavens. The inner pressure of self-accusation may become too heavy to bear. And so when we recognize this sense, this overwhelming awe 
this new system was established with a solemn oath. Aaron's descendants became priests without such an oath. But there was an oath regarding Jesus. For God said to him, the Lord has taken an oath and will not break his vow. You are a priest forever. And that's how you know it's Jesus. Because of this oath, Jesus is one who guarantees the better covenant with God. This is the new covenant with his own blood. There were many priests under the old system. Death prevented them from remaining in office. But because Jesus lives forever, his priesthood lasts forever because of the resurrection. Therefore, he is able once and forever to save those who come to God through him. He lives forever to intercede for you as a high priest with God on your behalf. He is the kind of high priest we need because he is holy and blameless, unstained by sin, never offering false fire. He has been set apart from sinners and has been given the highest place of honor in heaven. Unlike those other high priests, he does not need to offer sacrifices every day. This is the biggest thing I have a problem with mass. This is why we, we do not celebrate. It's just wrong. It's dead wrong. It's so clear from the text. Jesus offered himself once and for all. If you try to make that sacrifice again, you are denying the, the sacrifice of Jesus. It's so clear. I realize some folks do that because of ignorance, but if you read your Bible, you recognize that you can't do that anymore. Like those other high priests, he does not need to offer sacrifices every day. No! They did this for their own sins first, and then for the sins of the people, but Jesus did once for all when he offered himself as the sacrifice for people's sins. The law appointed high priests who were limited by human weakness. But after the law was given, God appointed his son with an oath, and his son has been made the perfect high priest forever. He's your high priest today. Jesus is the representative you need. You don't need any man. Mere man. He became human so he would know what it was like to live a human life. And he could represent you to God the Father. And so I can come. The holiest of holies in the name of Jesus. Now we are application in just a second. It's a blessing because it's right. You're a priest, according to your Melchizedek, and it's right. This is this is just amazing. Arise, my soul, arise, shake off your guilty fears. The bleeding sacrifice in my behalf appears. He ever lives above for me to intercede. His all-redeeming love, his precious blood.
some reference to other kings, but I do believe that this is ultimately referring to Jesus even verses 5 through 7 as he comes back and reigns on the earth. The Lord is at your right hand. It is where he is, verse 5. This is where he is. The Lord is right beside Jesus to perform the will. And then this is his will. Look at this. There's all the he wills. This is what he will do. He will, he will, he will, he will, he will. And that's the rest of the text. This is what God will do through his Messiah, Jesus. I think at this point it goes from the priesthood, mainly back to that king. The Lord is at your right hand. He will shatter kings in the day of his wrath. No king is standing against King Jesus. He will judge among the nations. Jesus, when he comes, says God has committed all judgment to himself. Jesus is the one who commands. He will stand before his throne and be judged. He will fill them with corpses. And read Revelation. This is what Jesus will do. It's talking about the New Testament. It talks about the New Testament. We cannot change these words. This is what will happen. He will shatter the chief men of our broad country. And he will refresh them. The idea is Messiah came will sit down when he's done and he will drink from the book. And then we have a little glimpse in Philippians 2. We can study it out there. But he will lift his up, like I said. Messiah will be worshipped. Every knee will bow to him. Every tongue will confess that Jesus is the Lord. And the glory of God. And so there we have Ephesians, uh, Psalm 110, verse 4. Uh, and, uh, and then the following verses briefly. Now, with my remaining five minutes, Please stay with me. Let's just apply this, okay? Um, I want to apply this in two quick ways. The first application is the most important. They're both the most important. You need Christ as your representative in justification. Today, you need Christ as your representative in justification. You need a high priest. You need someone to go and intercede on your behalf. Into the gruesome details, but Lonnie O'Neill just recently at Tampa, Florida, murdered his wife and daughter and tried to kill his son in a horrific way. He tried to burn them on top of them by the evidence. Son of Steve, clearly guilty. Instead of hiring attorney, O'Neill tried to represent himself, screaming at the jury, screaming at the judge. He's condemned and probably received.
reached in and killed the governor's son. You are complicit with his death, the death of the son. You joined the mob of lawlessness. He said, I didn't put the crown of thorns on his head, but you joined the lawlessness of one sin. So the son has died, and you are to blame. And you're going to go to the governor's mansion, and you're going to say, let me in, let me represent myself for killing your son. Foolish. But the son has risen again. He offers to represent you before the father. He offers to bring you in the governor's mansion and say, listen, you wear my robes and you'll be accepted. I pay the penalty for your sin and you can be treated as a son. That is what Christ has done on our behalf. All you need to do is cry out for that representation. Jesus, I need you as my high priest. I don't want to come to any human. I don't want to go to a Baptist church. I don't want to go to any denomination. I don't want to go to anywhere but Jesus. You have that in your heart to run from sin and run to Jesus for sake. That's faith in the gospel. You need that today to be just. Rescue me. We encourage you to cry out to God for rescue because of Jesus and Him alone. If you're trusting in anything else, it is not yours.
Sure. 